We've all forgotten. Everyone's moved on. We just lost them. And it's like it never happened. It's like it never happened. We're not hearing from the families. Have you noticed that? They've just been brushed aside. Here they are, the heroes we lost in Afghanistan alive. And here they are dead in the back of that C-17. Something really strange happened when they were welcomed home. Joe Biden was overtly disrespectful, checking his watch. Now, the fake news, they're ignoring it or they're trying to fact check this out of existence. But facts are the facts. He checked his watch at least three times. And then he said some pretty offensive things to the families who were assembled. Joe Biden did not want to hear their stories of grief. He wanted to tell his own. And that deeply offended these families, some of whom who've gone on to social media to tell that story, and they've been blocked. They've been shadow banned. And of course, ignored by the mainstream media. Now let's talk about Gold Star families. What they are, for the record, a Gold Star family, the immediate family members of a fallen service member who died while serving in a time of conflict. Joe Biden has tried to imply many times that he is part of a Gold Star family. My son who spent a year in Iraq and died was a patriot. His son spent a year in Iraq and died was a patriot. Well, his son was a patriot, Bo. He served honorably in Iraq as a military lawyer while he was on leave from his job as attorney general for Delaware. Perfectly honorable service. He came home. And four years later, he died of brain cancer. But Joe Biden, I think, dishonestly tries to imply at times that his son died overseas in conflict, which would make Joe a gold star family, which would make Joe um, somehow above criticism. He'd be just like those who lost their loved ones for real in combat. That's not the case. That's not the case. Have you noticed that the families of those fallen who are upset with Republicans can become superstars? Cindy Sheehan. I have no problem with Cindy Sheehan. A Gold Star family, a Gold Star mother can say whatever she wants. It's the media that exploits them for their own purposes. That's, quite frankly, they're the, they're the guilty ones here. She became a household name. All forgotten now, she was furious with George W. Bush over her son's death in Iraq. How about the Khan family? Remember them? Donald Trump, you're asking Americans to trust you with their future. Let me ask you, have you even read the United States Constitution? I will, I will gladly lend you my copy. His son, Captain Khan, was killed in Iraq. And again, a Gold Star family, a Gold Star father can say anything they want. It's the Democrats who manipulated this family into appearing at the Democratic National Convention in 2016. So he could voice his displeasure with someone who, quite frankly, had nothing to do with his son's death, um, Donald Trump, who was a candidate, who was a businessman, who was not president of the United States. But the media, they weaponized this moment against Donald Trump, who they desperately wanted to stop. 
Donald Trump decides to wage war against a Gold Star family. Then he goes and trashes a Gold Star family. That's not comporting with nationalism. He's go gone after Gold Star family, Gold Star parents, while auditioning to be commander-in-chief. No one knew a presidential candidate would attack a Gold Star family, as Donald Trump did last week. Well, he did. You heard the cons were pretty tough on Donald Trump, and uh, he just said they look like nice people. I wonder why the wife is being quiet here. They're fine people. They don't know me. And that was that. But you heard what they said about him. So these 13 names, these 13 Marines, a soldier, a sailor, we're really not hearing much from the family at all. A couple of posts on Facebook, but they have been just kind of pushed aside. Why? Because they desperately want you to forget this iconic image that we will never forget, the plane surrounded by those desperate people on its way out of Kabul, right? I can never forget this. Do they really think we will somehow forget? Joe Biden, again, desperately trying to change the subject. Here he is looking at flooded basements in Queens. Okay, that's in New York City. We had a problem. We've always had a problem with basements. They, uh, they can flood. He still says, for the record, that this was a swell operation. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravely, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. No, it wasn't, obviously. Obviously, to anyone who's basically three years old and up. And by the way, the mission is not over. We have an untold number of Americans who can't get out of the country. They're in airplanes or around airplanes. Details are very, very sketchy at this point. Um, but they're still there. What are we doing to get them out? It's a little bit uh, vague. Secretary of State Tony Blinken. There's been a fair amount of confusion surrounding the flights. And let me just clarify a few things. As of now, the Taliban are not permitting the charter flights to depart. They claim that some of the passengers do not have the required documentation. While there are limits to what we can do without personnel on the ground, without an airport, with normal security and procedures in place, we are working to do everything in our power to support those flights and to get them off the ground. What is that? Sending stern emails? I mean... <laughs> We're powerless. We're powerless. Thanks to you. Thanks to Joe. There was generals. Um, Democrats are actually some of them speaking out. Blumenthal, the senator from Connecticut. Uh, I'm not a fan, but he says this. He's a Democrat, longtime Trump critic. I have been deeply frustrated, even furious at our government's delay in inaction. There will be plenty of time to seek accountability for the inexcusable bureaucratic red tape that stranded so many of our Afghan allies. But he goes on here. I expect the White House and State Department to do everything in their power, absolutely everything to make this happen. These are American citizens and Afghans who risked everything for our country. We cannot leave them behind. But he did, didn't he? Joe Biden left them all behind. And he knew this was going to be a problem. He knew it. That phone call with Afghan President Ghani, he didn't really care about the reality. He only cared about the perception. 
Phone call, as reported by Reuters, Biden to Ghani. I need not tell you the perception that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there's a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. This is a smoking gun, huge story. This attempted collusion on Joe Biden's part to tell a lie. Looks like Ghani wouldn't go there. Ghani wanted help and was asking for it. Didn't want to pretend that the... They were beating the Taliban. This story is very hard to find from Reuters. Even Reuters buried it. Take a look, if you would. If you go looking for this story, it will be at the very, very bottom of your news feed, if at all, if at all. Now, remember when Donald Trump had a controversial phone call with that Ukraine President Zelensky? The whole world was talking about it for about a year. And... Donald Trump put out that statement, put out that transcript, rather, the whole record of that phone call. And here is the most damning part. You ready? Not, he's not trying to get anybody to lie. He said, I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. All right. He's talking about something he saw on television. Joe Biden, a few months before this phone call, caught on camera bragging about getting a prosecutor fired in Ukraine. Now, why would Joe Biden ever do that? Has he ever done that before? I keep hearing it was the policy of the United States government to do something like this, but who was in a perfect position to make it the policy of the United States government? Here's Joe Biden gra bragging about what sounds an awful lot like a quid pro quo. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. If he was doing that because Hunter Biden's employer wanted it done, that is impeachable conduct. And it's not been fully investigated, not adequately investigated. And the stories of those Marines, soldiers and sailors who were lost in Afghanistan... It's not been adequately told. We are privileged tonight to be hosting the father of Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover. 31 years old he was from Utah, who died in that Kabul airport explosion. He'll join us shortly. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? The fake news, they love to protect the Biden administration and somebody they're giving a pretty wide berth to is the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken. Not Henry Kissinger, not George Shultz, not even Warren Christopher. Tony Blinken. And here he is on the current situation in Afghanistan. Yesterday, the Taliban named a new interim government. We're assessing the announcement, but despite professing that a new government would be inclusive, the announced list of names consists exclusively of individuals who are members of the Taliban or their close associates, and no women. <laughs> okay. You're assessing it, huh? You're, and you're surprised that the Taliban made Taliban part of the government. Hmm? 
uh, and no women, no women. Are you serious? Don't you know how these people operate? Hey, the Afghan president was trying to warn you guys. You know who's in the uh, Afghan government now, the Taliban? These guys who used to be in Gitmo. Yeah, Gitmo. Detainees now have top positions in Afghanistan. Let's see, from left to right, the new Minister of Information and Culture, Mr. Kerka, spent a couple of years in uh, Gitmo. Uh, we've got Mohammed Fazi. He's the new Deputy Defense Minister. We've got Abdul Wasik, Director of Intelligence in the new Taliban government. Uh, Mr. Nori, Minister of Borders and Tribal Affairs. And uh, Mohammed Nabi Omari is the new Governor of the city of Kost. He's been there since last month. Uh, by the way, these guys now work at the Taliban. What do we get for all those guys letting them out of Gitmo under Biden and Obama? Bo Bergdahl, remember that? Uh, where, where is that guy right now, by the way? Um, all right, you see how this is going down. Ooh, I have to point this out to you. Who remembers, whoever looked at the New Yorker, the New Yorker magazine, very fancy magazine. It was very prestigious for a long time. They were very particular about facts, right? Facts, fact checkers, and everything in the story had to be true, and they double-checked it, triple-checked it, that kind of thing. Well, they did a pretty lengthy profile on a guy named John Sullivan, a Black Lives Matter activist-slash-videographer who mysteriously was in the prime position to capture the death of Ashley Babbitt. Remember that? He's the one who provided that footage. In fact, he provided a lot of footage from January 6th. If you look at it, it seemed like he was the more or less official videographer of the event, an extremist, um, Black Lives Matter activist. The New Yorker, though, there's this major profile on the guy, and they talk about he's adopted, they talk about his brothers, they talk about what he did online, what he didn't online, his favorite video games, big, big, big profile, and the ethics of, is he an activist, is he a journalist? What they omitted. It's not the facts that were in the story. It's the facts that weren't in the story that you probably know about if you watch this show. That last summer, during the Black Lives Matter nonsense that was happening across the country, this guy openly threatened the president of the United States right outside the White House. My group is Insurgents USA. We about to burn this down. This we got Rick Trump out of that office right over there. Pull him out that Nah, nah, we ain't about waiting until the next election. We about to go get that mother I ain't about that Because you know what time it is? I want y'all to be after me. It's time for a revolution. <laughs> I would have put that in, a 10,000-word story about this guy, wouldn't you? If you're trying to figure out if he's a good guy or a bad guy, they leave it out. That's what the fake news does a lot. They're very selective about the facts they include. And they'll hide behind, well, everything here is factually correct. What about the stuff you didn't put in the story? And that brings me to uh, this book that I read over the summer. It's called, Frankly, We Did Win This Election, The Inside Story of How Trump Lost by Michael Bender of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, all kinds of mistakes, all kinds of things left out. And I thought this was pretty, pretty damning, actually. Shows you where he's coming from and where so many of these fake news guys are when it comes to what facts they leave in and what facts they omit. Remember the January 6th speech that Trump made? Trump had finished his speech on the ellipse. He urged his supporters to fight like hell and promised to walk with the crowd to the Capitol, but he returned to the White House instead. Fight like hell. Well, 
He did say fight like hell. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. There it is. He said it. Fight like hell. Fight like hell. People say it all the time. You're going to fight. You're going to fight like hell. You're going to win. He did say it. And it's in the book. But what's not in the book? I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Do they think that we don't have access to this material? Historians, someday, they'll not look at these trash books. They'll look at the record. They'll, this stuff is trash and it will evaporate. Maybe it'll get him a Netflix deal. That's all they want, money and fame. He said peacefully and patriotically. They left that out. Why? They think they can fool us. That's what they think of us. No respect. I'll be right back. So you know that there are dozens of people still in jail for accusations made about their conduct on January 6th. Some people are still in jail who we have documented evidence did not hurt anybody or break anything, yet they're facing very serious time in prison. Well, uh, there's going to be a rally on their behalf, a group called Look Ahead America. They're calling this the Justice for J6. It's a hashtag campaign. They're having a big rally at the Capitol on Saturday, September 18th. Now, guess who's getting ready for them? And appropriately so, I guess. Um, well, the Capitol Hill Police and Congress. They're setting up a great big fence like the one they had uh, for months around the Capitol. A little bit too late. They're setting up that fence. And let's see, there's a report that all Capitol Hill police officers, all available police and staff will be on duty that day. That makes me wonder, will those four cops who <laughs> performed so interestingly a couple of months ago, will they be on duty? And how about Lieutenant Byrd? I really don't think he should be on duty. Do you? This guy who shot Ashley Babbitt when she was unarmed? Were you afraid that day? I was very afraid. What are you hearing on your radio? I'm hearing about the breaches of different uh, barricaded areas, uh, officers being overrun, officers being down. Did you ever hear a call or a report of shots fired during any of this? As a matter of fact, I did. There was reports of shots fired through the house main door onto the floor of the chamber. All right. Law enforcement, a lot of sources have spoken out. This guy should not be holding a gun, shouldn't have had one that day, should definitely not have one now. But according to the Capitol Hill police, he did nothing wrong. And I guess he'll be on duty that day. I think it'd be really smart if they had him stay home. All right. Also this. So this is the Wuhan lab. And you've heard the question, did the United States pay for critical research that brought on this pandemic for COVID-19, the coronavirus? There is substantial indication that, yes, the National Institute of Health wrote a grant check. Here's a grant proposal that came in from something called the EcoHealth Alliance, a non-governmental organization committed to uh, research. This was their grant proposal looking for money. 
and they knew the danger. Field work involves the highest risk of exposure to SARS or other COVs, coronaviruses, I believe, while working in caves with high bat density overhead and the potential for fecal dust to be inhaled. Well, that does sound very dangerous. Um, and this is the research they wanted to do at the Wuhan lab. And guess what? The National Institute of Health approved this uh, rather dicey proposal. Understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence, the National Institute of Health hereby awards a grant in the amount of $666,000. That is a, an official email from the National Institute of Health per year, by the way. Unclear how many years the research money was granted. This is pretty significant. American money may have paid for the coronavirus that has ruined so many lives, destroyed so many lives. Rand Paul has been on this from the very, very beginning. A senator from Kentucky, and uh, he's no friend of Fauci. Is, Fra is Fauci covering up? Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. Senator Paul knows exactly what he's talking about, in our opinion. And Senator Paul, by the way, is a medical doctor. Fauci has been wrong uh, all throughout this, all throughout this. So keep an eye on this situation. All right. Also, do you know who Joe Rogan is? Very popular uh, comedian, and he has this really popular podcast that he's making a lot of money on. Good for him. So he got the coronavirus, and he told everybody about it and said how he was uh, being treated. I got up in the morning, got tested, and turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, and I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. That was eight days ago, and good for him. Sounds like he uh, took it very, very seriously. But Jim Acosta, who is not a doctor, not much of a journalist, not much of anything, had something to say about what Joe Rogan did. The uh, podcast host, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID, he says. He says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin, uh, as well as other uh, ver you know, other treatments that pe people talk about on the internet and so on, doesn't have any effect on COVID, obviously. Obviously. And he goes on and on and on, and Fauci didn't address it. Livestock dewormer ivermectin. Well, ivermectin actually is approved for use in human beings and has been for a long time. It's perfectly reputable. Uh, I like what Rogan had to say about all of this. I literally got it from a doctor. It's an American company. Mm -hmm. It's a, it, they won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for use in human beings. Yeah. And CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Bro, do I have to sue CNN? I don't know. I don't know. Do you? They're making shit up. They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. 
Well, that's CNN for you. They make stuff up all the time. Welcome to the club, Joe Rogan. All right, we also have this. Bronx, New York is a very, very violent place all the time. Unfortunately, children are being murdered there all the time, and uh, it's heartbreaking. But the other day, an adult male was observed, uh, well, running around with a gun pointed in the air, sometimes pointed at others, and shooting it. And cops responded, and they report that not only was he shooting it up in the air, but he was trying to shoot them. They opened fire and killed this individual, whose father, by the way, joined in the gunplay, picked up a gun, and was also uh, firing off rounds. Uh, the person with the gun in the air, he later died of his injuries. But in the Bronx, the most violent county probably in the country, if the police get involved, all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks. Literally, take a look at this. Uh, a Black Lives Matter riot basically breaks out. They're very, very upset that the officers responded the way they did. Uh, you can't walk around the streets shooting a gun either up in the air or at people. But this is the response when the police get involved. Very, very unfair, I believe, but very, very typical. And now this. Black lives do matter. They matter, of course, of course, but not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says they only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. No, lives matter. Black lives matter, including the life of three-year-old Isaiah Figueroa, shot and killed Tuesday night in Charlotte, North Carolina, three years old. He was asleep in his bed when several cars drove by and multiple gunmen sprayed the home with bullets, more than 150 bullets fired. No suspects so far, but police think the shooters, uh, all teenagers they think, may have ties to several local high schools. They're suspected in a string of nearby shootings. Local police are calling for action. I'm asking each and every citizen of Mecklenburg County to get involved, to help us curb this community violence. It will not stop by using the tactics that we have used in the past. We're tired of marching, we're tired of asking. I believe that this is the time for action. We need to get into our streets and help curb this violence in our community. We need to have these conversations in our homes. We need to have these conversations in our churches. We need to have these conversations on the street corners and the blocks. This cannot continue. We are losing our children by gun violence and community violence each and every day. Sheriff McFadden, thank you for that. Several houses were hit by gunfire and the shooting. On One other person was hit and wounded, but only Isaiah died. Just three years old, Isaiah Figueroa in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are so sorry, and we will be right back. Last month, we lost these 13 heroes, 13 heroes in Afghanistan. And if you've been following the news and the story, uh, you know it was a direct result of our botched withdrawal plan from the Biden administration. One of the heroes we lost, Darren Taylor Hoover Jr., 31 years old, from Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, a Gold Star family 
It's been a tradition, a traditional term of honor for many years. The Gold Star family, the immediate family members of a fallen service member who died while serving in a time of conflict. I'm sorry to say that uh, Darren Hoover is now a member of a Gold Star family. He is the father of Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, and he joins us now. Um, Mr. Hoover, welcome to Newsmax, and we are so, so sorry for your loss. How are you? Thank you. I appreciate it. We're, we're holding up as well as we can. We're, we're all dealing with it in different ways, but we're coping with it. Sir, can you tell me uh, what they told you, the circumstances of your son's death? I've heard varying accounts of what happened over there. Do you have any details that perhaps we don't? I don't. The only, the only details that I have are the same that, that everybody else has got, that uh, they were at the gate uh, checking all of those uh, Afghan people uh, to come into the airport and were engaged in enemy gunfire, uh, that my son was running back and forth between all of his Marines, um, concentrating them on the fire where it came from and, and replenishing their uh, ammo supply as the firefight continued. And then, unfortunately, the suicide bomber detonated himself. Again, we are... So sorry, and I know words are terribly inadequate. I'd like to ask you about the, what they call the dignified transfer uh, when your son's remains were returned, along with the 12 other heroes from Afghanistan. The president was there, uh, members of the cabinet, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um, my understanding is that you did not want to meet with President Biden. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Um. We, did, we discussed it as a family. It was it was pretty much already predetermined that that's not what our son would want. Um, you know, under under those circumstances, uh, we felt it best that that we not meet with him. That's what Taylor would have wanted. Was there something um, uh, before all this? You know, the, an issue you had uh, with, uh, with the president? I have plenty, believe me, but, or was it just surrounding how incredibly poorly handled this, this whole withdrawal was? It absolutely was. The ineptness of, of the withdrawal, the circumstances under which it happened. Um, you know, and, and again, we, we wanted to grieve alone as a, as a family without interruption from that you know i it's appreciated don't get me wrong but from from the way this thing was handled to, from big start to end we just felt that it was in our best interest to grieve as a family and grieve alone uh, we're privileged to have you speak with us. I have noticed that um, some of the families have been vocal on on Facebook and that kind of thing for a time and then they get shut down. I have noticed that if a family, a Gold Star family, has a problem with a Republican, like then-candidate Donald Trump or perhaps George W. Bush, they're elevated and celebrated and they speak at conventions and you see them all the time. I have not seen that with this group. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. But do you have any thoughts on that? Have you been, has your opinion been sought out? Have you been in any way, do you feel neglected or bothered or hassled or 
why aren't we hearing more from the families? And I totally respect everybody's decision, but I'm just curious about that. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I, I do. Um, you know, in all honesty, we haven't been neglected. Um, as far as the love and support coming from the community, both from local communities, uh, his mother and I are, are living apart and any sisters. The love and support that have come from the communities is absolutely astounding. From across the country, for the most part, has been astounding. Um, we couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, knowing where, where you know everything came from, how it happened, what happened, um, the the overwhelming love and support has been absolutely tremendous. As far as the the other stuff is concerned. We're not really, you know, of course, I've got my opinions and they're very strong ones, but I don't want my opinions over overstepping what these 13, these 13 gave up. And there is another, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and don't quote me on this, but if I'm not mistaken, there's another 14 at Walter Reed recovering from this same blast, from the same incident. And I don't want to detract from that. I don't want anything to get in the way of that. We don't want that as a family. We want Taylor's name front and center. And we want the rest of those Marines and the Navy corpsmen and the staff sergeant from the Army. We want their names front and center. We don't want them to be forgotten. I know you didn't meet with President Biden and you told us about your decision not to meet with him. Did you observe him at the transfer ceremony? I did. He was across the tarmac from us, yes. What did you notice, if anything? Just like I've said before, the video shows him looking at his watch once. It was more than once. It wasn't just once. It wasn't twice. It was after every single transfer of each case that came off of that airplane. Every last one of them. There was not a single one where he did not look at his watch. And to me, that is, as a father and as a dad, I, I, that was one of the most disrespectful, dishonorable, absolutely astounding things that I have ever seen in my life from anyone that just that that blew our minds that was that was extremely disrespectful incredibly so and it was uh also mind-boggling that the media tried to pretend this didn't happen and when it came to light they tried to say that it actually didn't happen and then uh, fact-checking went haywire and it happened and you saw it with your own eyes sir tell us please about your son uh, what was he like? Uh, part, just, anything you want to share? We'll unfortunately never get to meet him. And it is unfortunate that there are a lot of people that won't get to meet him. Um, that man is bigger than life. Had a heart as big as as I could ever explain it. Um, his passion and his fire and his desire to serve to serve these United States. He had a mission, he had a calling, and he knew what it was. And that was to further 
his career and get others to join the Marine Corps. Um, very loving to both of his sisters, his mother. Uh, they were the highlight of his life. His fiance Nicole was also the highlight of his life. Um, they looked up to him, especially the two sisters. His two sisters looked up to him for everything. Um, they went to him with with everything. He was wise beyond his years. And he was always the one to step up for the little guy, mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. He uh, he wouldn't let anybody pick on somebody that couldn't handle themselves. Mr. So Hoover. in essence, I'm sorry? No, no, please finish your thought. In essence? In essence, he was taking up the fight for those that can't fight for themselves and wound up giving his life ultimately for that cause, for that passion that he had for not only being a Marine, but protecting us as United States citizens. Sir, a, uh, we'd like to highlight, if you don't mind, uh, some, some web pages that have been set up. Uh, the Taylor Hoover GoFundMe page is active, uh, a memorial fund for your son, and also uh, the Taylor Hoover Help a Hero page is also active as well. And I know a lot of our viewers uh, uh, really would love to support uh, your family at this time. Uh, Darren Hoover, once again, um, I am so sorry for what you're going through and what happened. And uh, But we thank you for joining us, and please stay in touch. Will do. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Darren Hoover. We'll be right back. When those towers were struck, and when they came down, it was, uh, it was uh, a horrible, horrible, unthinkable event. But as so many people were understandably running from those towers, some heroes were running toward them, including Stephen Siller. On that day, he was a firefighter, I believe off-duty, but he put on his gear and he ran through the tunnel from Brooklyn to Manhattan to respond to the emergency. Now, he would die on September 11th, but his memory, of course, lives on, his sacrifice, and a wonderful organization was born uh, and named, in a way, in his honor, uh, the Stephen Siller Tunnel to Tower Foundation. They do so much for first responders and veterans, and Frank Siller, his brother, uh, is now the CEO of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Frank has done so much for the veteran community, first responders, and right now he is in the process of walking from the Pentagon to the World Trade Center. Uh, Frank, welcome back to Newsmax. Where are you right now? Well, I'm going to be walking to my, I finished up in Bayonne, New Jersey, and I'm going to be walking through Staten Island uh, tomorrow and then through Brooklyn uh, on Friday. And then, of course, I'll be at ground zero. Uh, I'll be walking through the tunnel, retracing what Stephen's final heroic footsteps were 20 years ago when he ran through that tunnel, as you said, with 60 pounds of gear on his back. And albeit when I go through that tunnel, so I have sneakers on, he had his gear on. 
And when he came out, he looked up two horrific buildings, uh, the horrific scene, uh, seeing the Twin Towers on fire and people faced with a terrible decision above the fire line. You can imagine what they were going through. And I'll just be coming out looking at the Freedom Tower, but I'm going to be doing it, respect and honor my brother and, and all those great uh, first responders that perished that day. Well, Frank, you're getting close. You're almost back. You're almost home. Uh, that's, uh, that's quite a journey you've been on. But first, uh, Tunnel to Towers, T2T.org. Everybody should check it out, T2T.org. I alluded to some of the work, but what are you most passionate about? What's the most important component of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation? Well, look, the first, our first part of our mission is to make sure we never forget, and that's why I'm doing this Never Forget Walk. I started in August 1st at the Pentagon, walked to Shanksville, and once again, I'll be finished on the 20th anniversary honoring my brother. Uh, but we do that by honoring these great heroes, uh, these great families that are left behind. And I know that you've been talking to a lot of these Gold Star families that just lost their lives, you know, the 13 great uh, families that I can't believe gave their life to their country uh, and, in a way that uh, heroic. Uh, but nonetheless, our country should have uh, taken care of them better, uh, obviously. Uh, but. You know, we, we take care of the country's most catastrophically injured service members, and, and you know there's many of them in Walter Reed right now from just this act, uh, this, this act of terror uh, just a few days ago. We take care of Gold Star families, who, their loved ones who give their life for the country and leave young kids behind. We're going to build them a mortgage-free home if they don't have one, and if they do have one, we're going to pay off the mortgage. And, of course, our fallen first responders are dying in the line of duty that leave young uh, families behind. We're going to we're going to take care of those families, and we're going to deliver them, and gift them a mortgage-free home. And that's our promise, uh, Greg. That is our promise from the Tunnel to Towers Foundation mm -hmm. that when you serve our country or you serve our, uh, our community, and you give your kids a kiss goodbye and you don't come home, Tunnel to Towers Foundation is going to take care of these families that are left behind because uh, we better as a country. Uh, say thank you to these uh, families that have given it all. Frank, we appreciate so much what you're doing and, of course, uh, the sacrifice of your brother, Stephen. Uh, and I'll be there, by the way, for the Tunnel to Tower Foundation run. That's on the 26th. I was proud to do it a couple of years ago. It's amazing, uh, an amazing experience and pr a privilege to participate in it. Check out Tunnel to Towers Foundation. It's T2T.org. Uh, Frank, enjoy the final leg of the journey. Uh, all the best, sir. Thank you, and God bless. All right, we'll be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Thank you. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Tell your friends, and stand by for Stinchfield. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.